there is a this romantic view of like pushing all the chips in and but very rarely does that you know equate long-term success i think you have to have some things in your favor before you you know fully exit stage left if you want you know some some longevity in being an entrepreneur if you believe we can change the narrative if you believe we can change our communities if you believe we can change the outcomes then we can change the world i'm rob richardson welcome Disruption Now. Welcome to Disruption Now. I'm your host and moderator, Rob Richardson. Uh, we're here today, of course, powered by Disrupt Art as always. We love to bring the stories of uh, entrepreneurs, particularly black and brown entrepreneurs, to tell you their story, their struggles, their paths, and how they ultimately built what they have today. So with me is uh, Darnell Smith with Moon, as well as Mojo Ventures, I believe. So he's a serial entrepreneur, an expert in marketing. And, and now he's, he's combining this unique thing of uh, it's a non-alcoholic, but <laughs> cannabis-infused spirit, which I've never had. It sounds very interesting. We're going to talk more about his product, how he got into that. and uh, But but for now, Darnell, how you doing, man? Great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being on. What is, before we get down this rabbit hole of cannabis-infused cocktail, which is new to me, like I said, <laughs> but I'm up for adventure, what is your story in terms of entrepreneurship. Tell us how you got to be in this crazy world of, of entrepreneurship. Yeah, so um, I spent the early part of my career uh, going from agency side to client side to management consulting and, and kind of near the tail end of my, my first run with management consulting, um, I decided that some of this uh, knowledge and and things that we were giving to clients, I probably could do on my own. And so, um, you know, back in 2013 or so, decided to, to venture out and um, the rest is kind of history. You know, founded yeah. Mojo and, you know, worked with a lot of blue chip clients. And, and from there, you know, we always had a plan to have a ventures arm. And, and that's where really the serial uh, entrepreneurship really took off when we started investing in certain brands and so on. Okay, so walk me through, like taking that taking that leap, because <clears throat> you know it's like it's it's a it's a hell of a leap to take. Did you have? I'm sure there was a time where you were like a, you were still there in in a company, but figuring out the plan of 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 escape. Depending on how people talk about it, it's escape, and it could be <laughs> a trap all in its own too. Because, <laughs> but anyway, that's neither here nor there. I digress. Um, how did you did you have a did you have a couple signature clients lined up? already or did you just take that leap and just knew it was going to come yeah no i mean you, you hit it the golden handcuffs are real you know especially for you know black male in, in america making you know high six figures like when you tell someone i'm leaving this you get some you know deer in the headlights looks like you know what are you doing you, you, you it, from the outside it looks like you have it made right um I, you know obviously i was very um litigious and very, you know, planned in how I made my exit. Yeah. So I, I wasn't going to do it. You know, I was at an age in my life where I couldn't do it kind of yeah. like the broke guy doing it. Right. So I had to. Which I believe is a myth, by the way, Darnell, yeah. like it's something that I, I, don't, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I think it's yeah. a really important point. It's a it's mostly a myth that people go out here and, oh, it's the 22 year old. He goes out living on his couch having no money or the person to say, I'm going to risk all of it, put all my money up. Most people I know that have made it. And then if you go to Google, if you go to Warby Parker, 
and I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other cases, uh, case after case after case, Tesla, all those people, they, I've seen one of two situations. There are exceptions to fit that narrative or stereotype that people love, like, oh, the, 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 the man or woman who just found their way out of nothing. But generally that. speaking, <laughs> like there's a path there. Either they have support from a spouse, either they had uh, either they had the ability to to already have like a pretty good runway to know that yes I'm taking a risk but it is a calculated risk because I give the different advice like I don't think the good I don't think it's a good advi- a good advice some people say to go and burn everything down yeah. and then just say like okay no escape I'm going forward like I think that's an idealistic way I think in your mind you have to have that as a mindset that I don't I'm not going to lose but I think in terms of uh, doing doing something where you don't have any real uh, uh, revenue or no real runway, if you will, you're setting yourself up for failure. Because what I found through my adventures is that, you know, things never work out to the uh, in, in the in the time path that we put forward. It's always longer. There's always things you don't anticipate. So you always want to have as much revenue as possible because things are not going to work out the way you expect. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah, and no, I couldn't agree more. And you know that kind of really encapsulates my path, right? I there were a few things that came together, right? I felt like I had crossed this threshold of experience that put me in another uh, kind of echelon of what I was able to offer uh, clients. I also, you know, was very, again, very litigious about how I stashed money away. So I had a long enough runaway to deal with the, um, you know, ups and downs and the unpredictability of entrepreneurship. And then I also made sure I had some marquee clients lined up before I actually pulled the ripcord. And so I, I, to your point, I think, you know, there is a, this romantic view of like pushing all the chips in and, but very rarely does that, you know, equate long-term success. I think you have to have some things in your favor before you, you know, fully exit stage left if you want, you know, some, some longevity in, in being an entrepreneur. Yeah. So looking back, do you feel like there was some something you would do differently or put another way? If you had to go back and talk to your younger self in 2014, what advice would you give your younger entrepreneurial self then? And what advice would you ignore? Um, I think the advice I would give is, is patience. Right. You have to plan. You can't just, you know, I wanted to do this since mid to late 20s, but it yeah. took me until my, you know, almost 40s. To, to be able to execute it, right? I had to get the proper knowledge. I had to go through some things. I had to have some ups and downs in my career. I had to stash away money. Um, so, you know, I would have told my younger self, like, I know you want it to happen right now, but yeah. be patient. And then, you know, what I'm glad I didn't listen to is that, you know, that I call it the golden handcuff mentality. It's like, you know, once you get somewhere, people say, you shouldn't, you know, how could you ever- Exactly. Yeah. How could you ever turn your back on that? And, and I think, you know, I'm glad I, I didn't listen to that pressure in my life to, to stay, you know, kind of that corporate path. I mean, I always knew I could go back to it if I needed right. to. I had already accomplished that. So, you know, now it's more about preparing myself for the next step. So um, you and I are, I'm not going to call you old. You and I are seasoned enough <laughs> to, to have known this movie. But did you remember, did you ever see the movie with Tom Cruise, The Firm? Oh, yes. You see that? Yeah, right. And it's the background, just so for our listeners who may not be as seasoned as both of you and I are, right? The background was it, this, this young hotshot kid out of college, Tom Cruise, right? He comes and he gets to work for this firm. And it just seems like the dream. 
and and, when, and they tell him lie, and, and then they tell him later on, he starts to meet with the FBI. He said, nope, this is actually backed by the mob. It's so much worse than you think. He said, first, they get you used to the good life, get your kids a good school, and then they tell you the truth, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's what I would I would equate that to a lot of corporate life, right? It's like, it's, it's for some people, uh, but generally what happens is they get you to something. And if they, if you get, if you make these high six figures, there's a lot that's extracted out of you. Um, that is, is you're, you're, you're not going to, you're, you're, you're not going to just come away and just have a lot of free time and have a lot of autonomy. It's you will fit within a system and you have to deal with what I think a lot of us don't like is the, is the, is the corporate politics, right? The corporate politics, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not about how great your product is. It's also uh, about how great your mind is. It's really about how much Bob likes you up the hall, how much Susan likes you up the hall, how much Karen likes you up the hall. And if they don't like you, they can sabotage your career and will do so. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just, and those and are the things that I think about don't know. Yeah. And not think twice about it. Right. That's just the reality of it. <laughs> so, so was there a moment like was there a moment and you don't have to give any details unless you want to. You know, we don't mind uh, that really made you say, like, I have to take this leap. I have to do this or, I, or I'm going to you know, look back at my rocking chair and say I should have taken the leap. I should have taken this opportunity. Um, I think it wasn't like a negative moment. It was a very positive moment in which one of my largest, most trusted clients at the time pulled me aside and was like, hey, man, I think you, you know, underplaying your cards by being in this situation. I think you have a lot more to offer. And, you know, if there's any way I can support you in making that leap, you let me know. And that's where he left it. And that that to me was enough of a nudge to have, you know, some somebody else see it when I was kind of you know, oscillating back and forth, like, sure. am I going to fall for the, you know, this staying safe or am I going to really do it? And I think that conversation was like the moment where the light bulb clicked for me, like, no, that's right. I, that's what I believe. And that's what I'm going to follow. So, you know, it wasn't like someone did me dirty or, you know, I had right. a, a bad experience. Like, you know, I, I had a relatively, um, I was often the only person of color in some very yeah. high ranking meetings. So, you know, I had kind of the Karens up the hall and the Bobs up the hall. They have yeah, everybody, like, everybody's got the Karens and the Bobs every now. Right. Yes, it's part of the process. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, it, I, I didn't have a bad experience in that in that way. You know, for the most part, you know, especially you know once I established my a certain level of my career. Um, but that client kind of giving me that nudge was really the the moment when I said, okay, this is this is happening. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, your, your story and so many others really reinforces the, the true narrative of how lots of people come to entrepreneurship. They actually get it through real ex, uh, experience, <clears throat> corporations sometimes. And I know people have this, there is this um, mindset that if you were in corporate, you know, you're rigid, you can't think outside of it. Um, you, can't, you can't become an entrepreneur that way. But the truth is, most of the path is usually through some opportunity in those areas. And it sounds like not only that, you got a chance to branch off with some of the clients that you worked with while you were at whatever agency or, or, or whatever corporation. And so to me, it's just a testament to do everything you can to the greatest ability and let your work speak through your work, you know, and then that and building relationships, building through your work is how you really have great impact. So let's talk about Moon. Let's talk about this project, which is combining uh, non-alcoholic drink with 
cannabis to create this new type of cocktail. Tell me how you got into this world a little bit in terms of cannabis. Then I want to talk more about what this cocktail is and how we can, I guess, uh, actually get a chance to, to taste this cocktail. Sounds pretty interesting. So. Yeah, yeah. So uh, a, lar- a large portion of my career was spent in beverage innovation and commercialization, right? I, From the agency side to client side, I've worked with, you know, the behemoths, you know, Diageo, Pernod Ricard, Bacardi, and done, you know, trademark innovation and commercialization, you know, for a, a big part of my career. Um, and so during that time, right, just paying attention to trends and data and also learning the ropes of, you know, forming, you know, bringing something to market from liquid all the way, you know, from concept and liquid all the way to, you know, the plan that's going to roll this out to market and make it stand out amongst the other 37 million vodkas or 37 million right. tequilas that are already out there, right? You know, you learn some things during that process and they have a way that they do it, which is, you know, very well documented and they, you know, they're very, um, um, they, they very, they focus on it very hard in terms of how to commercialize new things. Okay. So, you know, for me, once I went through that, you know, it, it, what I will tell you is being in the spirits industry for some time, you either go one of two ways, right? Either you can handle it or your liver is basically like no more. And yeah. I think for me, I got to a point where, you know, you know, from a physical, you know, physical standpoint, me and alcohol over the time just continue to agree less and less. Right. It, right. Right. It, it would throw me off my game. And like, I, I you know, as a black male, you got to be twice as good. Right. To get yep. the same same accolades. So I couldn't, for me, I couldn't uh, approach my career in a manner in which that was a big part of it. So uh, back 15 years ago, when I was living in New York City, I started making a tincture, right? And a tincture is really simple. I would, you know, heat up some flour, some cannabis to a very specific tincture for, for a very specific time. And then I would, you know, soak it in like, you know, some high proof alcohol, and I would strain it uh, like a month later. And It'd be a little dropper bottle and I'd be the guy at the bar that'd be like, hey, can I have a tonic and lime? And then I'd turn around and I'd put three little drops of my tincture in the tonic and lime and I would be sessioning cocktails right along with everyone else, but no right. one knew what was in my glass, right? That's smart. That's that Lyndon Johnson used to do that, let other people drink. <laughs> it's like, have a drink. You learn more information that way. You know, Very shrewd of you. Go ahead. Yeah. And so, you know, that was 15 years ago and that, you know, that was like kind of the the first idea of Moon. It was like what's now become this alternative, you know, alt alcohol movement, right? You have right. a ton of non-alcoholic spirits brands, you know, I won't name them all, but, you know, they're out there. Right. Um, and you have uh, uh, the rise of cannabis-infused beverages. And so, you know, for me, I kind of took this data of watching people be more mindful about how they consume alcohol, right, and really reducing consumption or changing the way they consume, and then also looking at the rise of this new technology that was giving us, um, you know, the Heineken 0.0s and, you know, the OG Odules, right? Things have just spawned from there. And so right. I said to myself, what if I kind of took these two things and, and made a new monster? And that's where Moon came from. And so it took three years, right, to perfect how to infuse a non-alcoholic spirit with cannabis and not have it taste like cannabis, right? Because right. for us, we're going for the taste of cocktails, right? So we 
want it to taste like a gin and tonic or a margarita or a mm. paloma or what you what you're already familiar with we didn't want to drown that out with cannabis taste and so that but the process is intense to figure that out I, can, I can't tell you how many no's and thumbs down I got we had a panel of mixologists and uh, you know, sensory experts and, you know, even myself, I was very exacting. And I mean, we got to so many, I mean, I couldn't tell you what version we were on by the time we landed it. And it was, yeah. you know, it was a very exacting, um, you know, process, but it was worth it because I think we, we truly came up with something that is very rarely do you see something come along in beverage innovation that is truly like a, wait, what? And yeah, I mean, it was new to me. I had to read it twice. I'm like, all right, no, it's definitely in, it's innovative. Right. Right. <laughs> and I think it'll be so, possible too. Yeah, I mean, look, the feedback we've gotten so far has been overwhelming to the point where, you know, it's a very simple conversation. It's like typically someone who comes to us is like, ah, oh, man, I like, I don't, I love cocktails, but I can't, like, I'm just in a life phase and I can't drink like that anymore. And so, that's what they call the can of curious consumer, right? right? Someone who still needs the release, but doesn't want, you know, let's be honest, alcohol is ultimately poison, you know, yeah. when, you, when you boil Literally. it down, right? Literally. So, um, you know, when you get people coming to you in that, that manner and they're like, okay, so I'm interested in cannabis, but I have no idea on where to start. And for us, it's a very simple exchange. Are you familiar with gin? Are you familiar with tequila? Are you familiar with whiskey? Oh, okay, great. If you are and you have a favorite of those, I have a bottle of something that you can replace that bottle and do exactly right. the same things you've been doing and have a cannabis infused cocktail versus an alcohol infused cocktail. And you will have an on par taste and experience and feel from it. And people are like, no way. And then two weeks later, they'll call us back and be like, holy, you know what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I think that, that's, yeah. wild. That, that's, that's wild. That's really. Yeah really innovative is the word. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back to a point you said earlier about the exacting process with marketing when it comes to spirits. Yes. And then I want to talk to you. And then the second uh, thing I want to talk to you about is the challenges about how you do this being the fact that it is cannabis. And although it's legal, it's still, you know, Illegal. cannabis and it's still mm -hmm. got the federal challenges and state by state. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to talk to you about how you're navigating both of those things, about how you're navigating that, both of those things on that end when it comes to just a regulatory structure, both federally and state by state. But let's go back to the marketing part. What is what's the most important thing or the most let's say the most two or three important things that needs to be done to effectively market a spirit that will increase your chances of success? Yeah, I mean, first is you got to have a brand story and you got to have some authentic, you know, some authentic pieces of that story. Like for just to throw a bottle of alcohol at someone, people these days, when you are drinking something, it kind of is a representation of who you are. Like yeah. if you're drinking Crown, that says something about you different than if you're drink, drinking Jack Daniels or if you're drinking, you know, uh, Angel's Envy Bourbon or whatever, all these things in some respects say, give a person some clues about who you may be, right? And that's that brand story. Yeah. So you, that, that holds true, whether it's cannabis, whether it's out spirits, whether it's whether it's any, whether it's anything, whether it's any, a, right, like the, the I'll, tell, I'll tell you the drink that stands out to me very quickly in terms of a story. I still remember. I don't know. If it, it probably says something about me. 
uh, the, uh, the Zaki's. I remember that the most interesting man. I love right? that. Oh, the most interesting man in the world. Right. Those were such great campaigns. Right. I, I didn't even like beer. I just said, I might just order one just to show up. Right. <laughs> exactly. It says it, it like it led something for you, right? Like it, 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 it said something about who you were as a person yes. when you, when everyone else, yeah, <laughs> when everyone else at the bar might've been ordering a Corona and you're like, I'll take a Dos Equis, you know? And, yeah. and people look at you kind of like, oh, okay, this guy's different, you know? And so that still holds true, right? When you're yep. trying to build a, a spirit spread, especially because the occasion and the place that spirits and, cannabis ultimately hold in life right it's oh, a release okay. so what's the brand story of moon then i guess that that leads me to that and then finish the rest of the other two points what's yeah important. yeah Where yeah now, so moon to, was really about as i was um developing it like i was trying to and like quantify like what it made you feel like and one night you know i was tasting one of the um millions of prototypes we came up with. And it was like an exceptionally good one. And it was a night where it was a full moon and the moon was kind of glowing on me on my back porch. And I was like, wow, it's like, it kind of feels like a glow. And that's where the whole inspiration for moon came from. It was just a moment I had with it that, and as I started to think about it, it, it said so many things about what the product is, right? It's kind of this like, you know, extraterrestrial, experience right it's something familiar but new right in the sense that yep. it's a cocktail but it takes me to a much different place um and i remember the first time we had uh, uh, an event where we served exclusively moon and it was just a bunch of people standing around smiling and laughing and i was just yeah. like wow this is a really cool experience because you know and sometimes you're in an environment where there's all sorts of out responses to alcohol, right? There's a sloppy drunk. There is the angry, right? Belligerent. There's the, you know, you got all range. I've seen them, I've seen them all. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, you know, have that kind of like consistent experience of like people were just smiling and just relaxed. And it was just a, a very, I don't know, just a very warm environment. That's that right. really like, double down on the moon name for me. And then the, you know, what people ask, well, why is it spelled with O's? And you you actually nailed a point earlier as to why it's it's X's. And it's really because it's kind of a an homage to, you know, the fact that it is still actually federally illegal, right? right. So it's kind of like this prohibited, you know, thing. And so um, that's really where, you know, the, the inspiration from the name came from. And we just took it and ran with it. And it just has so many extensions and applications for how it makes you feel to, you know, where its place is amongst other beverage brands. And, and we just ran with it. Right. No. Um, so let's talk about the, the challenges with uh, regulations and how you go about doing this in the state by state. Like, so how, how would this work? <clears throat> Rob wants to try a drink. How would how would I be able to do that? How would my customers be able to work with yeah, you? Yeah, so it's it's going to be kind of a you know it's like a game of patience, like I said earlier, right? In the sense that right when you start a typical business in the United States, once you start at one place, it's started for the rest of the the country. Whereas sure. in cannabis, right, you're starting a business, and effectively each time you start this business, you have to start a new one in each state because. Right the, you know, from the packaging regulations to 
the amount of cannabis you can have in a package to other things that come into play that just are different from state to state and yeah. they're changing all the time. And so, exactly. so you're in we, California, I take it. We're in California. We're in uh, talks to move into two additional states. Okay. Uh, and, you know, obviously where we're aiming right now is the 19 or so recreational states, right. That are yes. online now. It's going to be our first target. Um, Who are they? Like, you know, to say all they are, but there are, is uh is Miami's Illinois. not recreation. Is Miami recreation as a Florida recreational thing? Florida is not. Not yet. <laughs> it should be. It should be. <laughs> Miami would be a great target you for would, you. <laughs> you would think, right? Yeah, and Miami so, would kill uh, it. Uh, but uh, okay, so I, I assume New York is. New York is, but they're still coming online, right? They're still getting all of their ducks in a row. Like most of the Northeast Corridor is now. So Connecticut yes. is. Uh, I think Rhode Island recently did. Uh, Massachusetts is a big. Uh, market okay. on the east coast jersey is now um wreck and then you move e or oh, jersey west is and, yeah yeah okay. you move west and then you got there's some pockets in the midwest so illinois and michigan uh you move further west you got colorado nevada arizona obviously the whole western seaboard with california oregon and washington state and so that's really you know, for all intents, New Mexico just came online. That's really our our map right now. Right. Um, and so, for folks who aren't in those states, unfortunately, um, there's going to be a little bit of a wait unless you travel into one of those states, and then you can, right. you know, you'll be able to find it. But yeah, it's it's a it's a the regulations make this you know uh, like exponentially tougher than starting oh, yeah, a regular business, right? Because you're building a new business in every single market you go to. And I, and I imagine you're you're in the digital media space. Are there are there barriers for digital media marketing oh, as yeah. well too? Yeah, yeah I imagine yeah. they probably Jesus. make it harder to do that too. Yeah, much harder. And and we have a little bit of a of a in there in the sense that like right, our vessel is the cocktail, and yes. so we can talk about otherworldly cocktails without really talking about cannabis. And you know, upon further digging, you'll find out it's you know THC or cannabis infused. Right. right. But if you're a flower brand or a vape brand, it's really no way to hide that. So it's, what you can do is super limited. So there are um, workarounds, but, you know, it, it is tough. So what does success in five years look like? How do you hope to transform the spirit industry? What does that look like when you've done that? Yeah, look, I, I say that everyone I talk to, I'm not here to replace alcohol. I'm here to give folks another option as it relates to their bar, you know, their home bar carts. Like I feel this deserves a place amongst every bar cart. And it's as an option to enjoy when you're feeling like a zig or zag from alcohol, not to mention, obviously we want to be an option for those who have completely sworn off alcohol and still want to have that release occasion and are okay with uh, cannabis. So Five years from now, it's, a lot's going to depend upon how much further we make it from, you know, legal and in a regulatory sense. Um, yep. Obviously, our dream and our hope is that we can be next to spirits, products, wherever they're sold, you know, whether it be in a bar, or whether it be in a, um, a liquor store or where have you, you know, I think that is the aim. Are we, we're not banking on that, right, just based on how things have gone, but I think we, you know, five years from now, if we're like kind of a mainstay on a, a fair amount of bar carts, that'll be success for us. 
All right, a couple of quick rapid fire questions. Rapid fire questions. You could just finish this. Finish the sentence. So, the future of spirits in America is. It's going to be here. It's not going anywhere. It's been here forever. It's going to stay. Um, I think it's just evolving. What do people from the outside get most get wrong most often when it comes to cannabis? Um, I think the stigmatism that still exists, you know, from the war on drugs and, you know, there is no hiding from the fact that there's plenty of people that look like you and I who are currently behind bars for low level you know, marijuana offenses. Is, Absolutely. You know, something that is still hugely problematic. And, it's, and they still can't profit from all, and they're not the ones being able to profit off of this for the most part. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's extremely problematic. Yeah. Um, and you and I should just point out that I believe the company uh, Moon is going to give some portions back to, yeah. uh, you know, those who have been affected by, yeah. uh, by these incarcerations. Talk a little bit about that. We do a lot of important work there. Yeah, so that's very central to our whole mission in this. And, you know, it's it's part advocacy, right, and supporting organizations that do that work, you know, of getting records expunged and the lobbying work it's going to require to change that whole uh, situation. Um, it also is, right, us being much more, um, watchful of our own supply chain and who we give opportunities to from an employment standpoint um, and creating opportunities for, you know, folks who have been affected, but family members have been affected by this, folks of color, right, and really bringing, you know, us into the fold, into an industry which has a chance to do it differently, but unfortunately is starting to shape up and look like just like- it's starting to look industry. like everything else. It's, it's in some ways, the barriers are harder. I've had some involvement yeah. in, 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 in some of these projects through investment or just looking opportunity yeah. for, and I can tell you the barriers, they make them even higher than normal yeah. barriers for business, yeah. um, which, is, which is challenging. And so yeah. they offer all the talk about inclusion it, it's been quite the opposite. I've seen that yeah. play out in the space I'm in with Web3 as well. So mm -hmm. I can, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of talk about this, but I tell people all the time, no one's going to give us diversity and inclusion. Nobody. We have to build for it, period, in a discussion. Uh, it's the only way we're going to get it is that we provide the platform, we provide the businesses, we provide the strategies, and we actually implement them um, because they're not, no one's going to do it because it's the right thing to do. They're going to they're going to do it because it's the profitable thing to do. And that's what we have to do, because it is a profitable thing to do. But we have to be the ones creating the platform. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to leverage it. 100%. And that is that is where we come from, you know, in the sense of like we're trying to be a platform for the advocacy part of it, as well as the systemic disruption of where opportunity is for people of our of our ilk. Right. Like I want to make sure we, you know any position that we have open, like if I haven't seen multiple candidates of, of color, you know, or diversity, like don't even, don't even bring it to me until I see that we've exhausted every single path we can, right, to provide opportunity to those who are getting stiffed on, you know, stiff armed elsewhere. So that's hugely important to us. So yeah, I mean, that, that, without that, I, that to me was like the biggest part of doing this. Um, was the opportunity to provide more opportunities to you know to folks that look like like you and I. So 
Yeah, well, appreciate you, Darnell Smith with Moon and Mojo Ventures. We're going to be looking. I'm, I'm looking for my cocktail. We're going to do some work to get it. So appreciate having you on. And uh, we'll make sure everybody can see the link where to find out more information about you, what events you may have coming up. We look forward to hearing more and seeing more from you. Thanks for having me.